Good morning. <coughs> Sorry, I a bit of a frog in my throat this morning. Um, could we all rise for prayer? And I might ask if uh, maybe two brothers want to lead out in prayer. Thank you for the ability to gather here this morning. Thank you for good health and for uh, just the security and safety we can gather. Um, I just pray, Father, that you would bless the service here today. Father, bless the words that I'm going to share. Father, pray that you would work in our hearts, work in my heart, Father. Continue to uh, speak to me on this topic here as you have been last week. Pray, Father, that you would, uh, you would lead and guide through the rest of the morning. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, uh, for devotional, I forget when it was, I think it was maybe Monday or Tuesday of this week, I was reading a Bible story to the boys uh, before they went to bed, and I don't know if it had just been a long time since I had heard it or what, but that really jumped out to me, there's some things in the story really jumped out at me, and uh, so I was thinking about that through the week, and uh, went and found the story and read you know, from the Bible um, how it was laid out there. And uh, anyway, I've just been processing that as I've been working through the week. And so that's what the devotional is about this morning, is uh, this particular Bible story. And I hope it's an encouragement um, to you or to each of us. Uh, it was a challenge to me, and by challenge I don't mean necessarily, I don't mean for it to be a, what's the word I want? Uh, condemning message necessarily, but just in, uh, stirring us on to more, maybe, is the best way to put it. Um, I'm going to be f- flipping back and forth a little bit. If you want to follow, you try to follow, you can. Um, i going to start by reading a verse in Exodus. Um, Exodus 29, verse 46. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God that brought them forth out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. Dwell here means to have a habitation, to permanently reside in or to remain. Um, God wanted to dwell with the children of Israel. And I found it interesting in the way this verse is laid out that he had to bring them out of the land of Egypt to do that. Um, we know that through the Old Testament uh, first the tabernacle um, and then the temple were built so that God would have a place to dwell with the children of Israel I found also thought it was interesting thinking about this that the tabernacle was God's idea but uh, it seems like the temple was David's idea and God was pleased with that even though he didn't allow David to build it. Um, David, I guess because of his relationship with God, he wanted 
a permanent place that God could dwell. I didn't write these verses down, but I, I read through them yesterday. Um, talked about himself having a house made of stone and God having to dwell in a tent. Um, and he didn't think that that was proper. Um, but all throughout the Old Testament, and, and uh, you even have uh, Paul quoting it in the New Testament a couple different times, I think, about God wanting to dwell with his people. He had a desire to um, be among them or to be among us. So with that in mind, um, I want to get to the story that I was actually looking at here. Uh, We're going to turn to Ezra. Ezra chapter 1. Before we start reading there, uh, I jotted down just a quick timeline to bring us up to speed and where uh, Ezra starts here. So Israel had had many kings, most of which were wicked. Um, Many of them, it says, they did that which was evil in the sight of God. They scorned the relationship that God was wanting to have with them um, by seeking after idols and other gods. He was wanting a peculiar people, and uh, they were taking up the idols of the nations around them. Um, You might think of a husband and wife relationship. Um, God was desiring to spend time with and be with his people, but they were busy being with other people. It doesn't really work out too well. So, yeah, God was having to share his people, the people that he desired to dwell with. God caused them to be taken captive uh, to Babylon because of their sin um, at the death of um, Nebuchadnezzar, whichever king it was that took them captive. At his death, the kingdom of Babylon, Babylon was taken over by Darius, or actually I think I've always pronounced that wrong, I think it's Darius, um, the Mede. You're familiar with the law of the Medes and the Persians. It's quoted in, I think, Daniel. Um, Then Daniel has his vision about going back to rebuild the temple after 70 years. Um, I'm not sure in the timeline where he had that vision, but the 70 years of captivity was nearing an end. And then uh, I think that's where we jump in here in Ezra. So Ezra chapter 1. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom, and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith saith Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build them in house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah, who is there among you of all his people, his God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God which is in Jerusalem. 
And whosoever remaineth in any place where he sojourneth, let the men of his place help him with silver and with gold and with goods and with beasts, besides the freewill offering for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. Then rose up the chief of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites and all them whose spirit God had raised to go up to build the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem. So Cyrus, those around uh, strengthened their hands, it says, by giving them silver and gold. Cyrus brought the vessels out of the temple that Nebuchadnezzar um, had taken when he brought them captive uh, from Jerusalem. Um, it goes through the list of the number there. Uh, anyway, Cyrus was very instrumental in sending the Jews back to rebuild the temple. And... So they go back, they start building um, Ezra chapter 3. In Ezra chapter 3, they build the altar, they began sacrifices. Um, they the end of the chapter there, they sang together by course in praising and giving thanks to God because he was good for his mercy endureth forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout. And when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and chief of the fathers who were ancient men that had seen the first house when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes wept with a loud voice and many shouted aloud for joy so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of Joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout, and the noise was heard afar off. And those that had seen the first temple were excited to see the, the uh, relaying of the foundation of, the, of rebuilding the temple. Um, earlier in the chapter, they had built the altar, uh, offered sacrifices. I believe they started the daily burnt offerings again at that point. Um, and then they laid the foundation, and it seems like that's all the further they got. Um, find my verse here. beginning of chapter 4. Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of the captivity builded the temple unto the Lord God of Israel, then they came to Zerubbabel and to the chief of the fathers and said unto them, Let us build with you. For we seek your God as you do, and we do sacrifice unto him since the days of Esarhaddon, king of Asher, which brought us up hither. But Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the rest of the chief of the fathers of Israel said unto them, Ye have nothing to do with us to build an house unto our God, but we ourselves together will build unto the Lord God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, hath commanded us. Um, 
Skipping a little bit here. It, in the reign of uh, Ahasuerus, in the beginning of his reign, wrote they unto him an accusation against the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem. And in the days of Artaxerxes, wrote Bishlam. I'm going to skip some names here and some others, and the rest of their companions unto Artaxerxes, king of Persia. The writing of the letter was written in Syrian. Um, the letter essentially was an accusation that Jerusalem has always been a rebellious city, and if you let these people continue to rebuild, they're soon going to stop paying their taxes or their... Um, what's the word? Tribute, I think, is the word it uses... Uh, And so he issued a decree that they needed to stop building. And it seems as though all the further they got was the foundation. And they they went ahead and stopped. Then comes um, chapter 5, prophets Haggai and Zechariah. I'm going to read a couple verses here and then we're going to actually jump over to the book of Haggai and read from there. Then the prophets... Haggai, the prophet, and Zechariah, the son of Iddo, prophesied unto the Jews that were in Jerusalem, or in Judah and Jerusalem, in the name of God of, of the God of Israel, even unto them. Then rose up Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, the son of Josedek, and began to build the house of God, which is at Jerusalem. And with them were the prophets of God helping them. Okay, let's jump over to Haggai. Just a small little book. Barely two pages. So, maybe I should make a note here. It was a little confusing. I was having trouble figuring out who, what king was reigning in which country that was in control of uh the Israelites at this time. Because here it says, in the second year of Darius, or, uh, Darius the king, but earlier it was talking about... Uh, Darius took over the kingdom after Babylon fell. So I went and I looked up to see um, historically what they have for kings reigning through that time. And I think there was three Dariuses four Artaxerxes, and um, at least two Cyruses, all through a span of a couple hundred years. So that helped, uh, I don't know if that helped clear the confusion, but they may or may not be the same kings, even though they have the same names. So in the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Ye have sown much, and ye bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. 
You drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And ye that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. He looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when ye brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste, and ye run every man unto his own house. Therefore heaven, the heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, upon the new wine, upon the oil, and upon that which the ground bringeth forth, and upon men, and upon cattle, and upon all the labor of the hands. Then uh, Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord God had sent him. And the people did fear before the Lord. Just to note, um, those two men, Zerubbabel and Josedek, were also mentioned back in Ezra when the Israelites first came back to rebuild. They were also involved. Uh, in building of the altar and laying of the foundation, I don't know if I, I don't know if I actually read that verse that used their names there in Ezra or not. But then spake Haggai the Lord's messenger in the Lord's message unto the people, saying, "I am with you," saith the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and the son, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek the high priest, and spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, in the four and twentieth day of the sixth month, and the second year of Darius the king. So here, um, the Jews are rebuked for having not finished what they started in their rebuilding of the temple. Um, We know, like I mentioned earlier, that God was wanting to dwell with his people and he had made a way for them through Cyrus for them to go back and to rebuild the temple that he might once again dwell with them. But when they faced a little bit of opposition, it seems like they just, I don't know, threw up their hands and just let it be and thought, well, well, whatever, I guess maybe we're not supposed to. That's sort of my supposition. It doesn't really say that it's that's their mindset, but it's clear that they didn't finish building based on what Haggai prophesies here. And like uh, a little bit like David said, you know, is it okay for for God to dwell in a tent and me to live in this uh, palace of stone? Haggai says that. You go to your sealed houses, yet God's house lays in ruin. It seemed like at the beginning, with the you know, they rebuilt the altar and then they uh, started, they laid the foundation. There was a lot of rejoicing. It seemed like a lot of uh, fervor, maybe, as they began um, rebuilding. But that soon crumbled. The work ceased. 
they turned aside from their goal. I guess they lost sight of what their goal was, maybe. And they lost sight of it for lesser things. And in many ways, that's a little bit um, the way the Israelites had always been. Uh, God brought them out of Egypt. They surely knew those stories, yet they continued to turn to gods made of wood and stone. And Haggai says, consider your ways. And basically what he's saying is the reason you're not prospering is because my house is in ruins and you're not... Basically, they were not doing the will of God to rebuild his house. So if we jump back to uh, Ezra chapter 5. So I read uh, verses 1 and 2 earlier. I'm starting at 3. At the same time came to them... Tatnai, governor on this side of the river, uh, Shether Bosnai, maybe, and their companions, and said thus unto them, Who hath commanded you to build this house and make up this wall? Then said we unto them after this manner, What are the names of the men that make this building? But the eye of their God was upon But the eye of their God was upon the elders of the Jews, that they could not cause them to cease, till the matter came to Darius. And then they returned, answered by letter concerning this matter. The copy of that, of the letter that Tatnai, governor on this side of the river, and his companions, which were on this side of the river, sent unto Darius the king. They sent a letter unto him, wherein was written thus, unto Darius the the king, all peace. Be it known unto the king that we went into the province of Judah to the house of the great God, which is builded with great stones, and timber is laid in the walls, and this work goeth fast on and prospereth, prospereth in their hands. Then asked we the, those elders and said unto them, Who commanded you to build this house and to make these walls? We asked their names also to certify thee that we might write the names of the men that were the chief of them. And thus they returned us answer, saying, We are the servants of the God of heaven and earth, and build the house that was builded these many years ago, which a great king of Israel builded and set up. But after that our fathers had provoked the God of heaven unto wrath. He gave them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, the Chaldean, who destroyed this house and carried the people into Babylon. But in the first year of Cyrus, the king of Babylon, the king of Babylon, the same king, Cyrus, made a decree to build this house of God. And the vessels also of gold and silver of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took out of the temple that was in Jerusalem, and brought them into the temple of Babylon. Those did Cyrus the king take out of the temple of Babylon, and they were delivered unto one whose name was Sheshbazar, whom he had made governor, and said unto him, Take these vessels, go carry them to the temple that is in Jerusalem, and let the house of God be builded in his place. Then came the same... Sheshbazar, and laid the foundation of the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. And since that time, even until now, hath it been in building, and yet it is not finished. 
Now therefore, if it seem good to the king, let there be search made in the king's treasure house, which is there at Babylon, whether it be so that a decree was made of Cyrus the king to build the house of God at Jerusalem, and let the king send his pleasure to us concerning this matter. So they uh, they checked. Um, You remember that the first time that they received opposition, um, they basically just quit. Here some other men came along questioning what's going on, and they they stood up and said, no, we're supposed to be building. Um, This is the will of God. Cyrus directed us to to come and do this. And uh, they, I guess you could say they stood strong enough on the matter that the governor is like, well, he's... To go to the king and find out what's going on here. So then uh, Darius finds um, finds the decree. Um, there was found a record in in a palace on a roll, uh, the decree of Cyrus, and it's interesting that when Darius finds this. He then actually increases what Cyrus had said he was going to do. So Cyrus was helping, uh, if I remember correctly, Cyrus was helping financially. I think the tax was from that area was supposed to help them. Um, But then Darius sends other um, maybe materials. Anyway, he... When he realizes that this is supposed to be happening, he jumps in and helps too, which I thought was kind of interesting to have these uh, worldly kings, if you will, helping to build the temple of God. I'm not exactly sure how that analogy applies <laughs> across the across the board to us today, but um, so that's the story. And I want to now flip to the New Testament and think about us as a spiritual habitation. God is wanting to still dwell with us, um, 1 Peter 2, verse 5, Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices, acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. It's clear, as I said in the Old Testament, the tabernacle and the temple are the places that God uh, was dwelling, and in the New Testament, it's in us as Christians that God is supposed to dwell. You know, we have a church here, uh, a church building here, but God, I guess it's safe to say God doesn't dwell here if we're not here. Um, and He may not even dwell here if we are here, if He's not dwelling in us. So then, uh, a couple other verses, Second Corinthians. Chapter 6, verse 15, And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As the God hath said... As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. 
Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord. I want to turn to Ephesians. Chapter 2, verse 19. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And ye are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. And one more. 1 Corinthians 6. and 20. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So I was thinking about the temple and God dwelling there, and then thinking about us being a temple and God uh, dwelling in us, and I was trying to... um, I guess wrap my mind a little, around that analogy a little bit and how that how that actually works out. And I don't know that I really have any answers for you, um, but I I guess I have a handful of questions or thoughts here at the end that I'll close with. Um, so through from these uh, four verses here in the New Testament, it seems as though we as individuals are supposed to be the temple of God. We as Christians are supposed to be the temple of God individually, yet the one talked about us being built together into the temple of God. So somehow, somehow as an individual or like a maybe a stone of the temple or something along those lines. Um, and then the one verse also talks about the apostles being the foundation and Jesus being the cornerstone. Um, so then if we are building, if we're supposed to be building the temple of God, what, what does that look like? You know, what are the stones? Is it, is it, uh, is it bringing more people into the, into the church or is that building of the temple now for us? Um, I don't, I'm not quite sure how to how to uh, how to look at that exactly, or what what is what that's supposed to look like. Um, but if God isn't dwelling in us as individuals, He isn't dwelling in us as a church body either. Um, we're called to be separate people. Israel had to leave Egypt so that God could dwell with them, according to that the very first verse I read there in Exodus. And so, if God is wanting to dwell with us, it would seem like we have an Egypt we need to leave also. What is that? What is our Egypt? What does coming out and being separate mean for us today? And for the Israelites, they had a 
uh, a specific border or country that was intended to be their kingdom. Our kingdom is present but without borders. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense. You know, the kingdom of God that we're supposed to be building. Is that the same as the temple illustration here? I don't know. I was having a little trouble. They were kind of crossing over in my mind as I was thinking about this. But um, what are the stones we're to be building the temple with? I think it's an important discussion uh, that we should have or be talking about. Um, lest we be found not building and just building our um, or dwelling in our own sealed houses, I think is how Haggai said it there, while God's house is laid to waste. Anyway, I wanted to close with that. Um, just a challenge for us. Are we building the temple personally? Am I building uh, my temple that God is wanting to dwell in? And am I helping to build the, what do you say, broader temple of the church body that God also is wanting to dwell in? Anyway, I would be open for discussion on some of those last questions or points. Curious what others think about some of that. That's all.